What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome in, folks. The 264 episode of the podcast is underway. And neither of our teams have won in the month of December, and it's five days away from Christmas. Oh. That is a sentence that I didn't think I'd be saying at any really point throughout the season. So bad, bad vibes over here. The Eagles, in dramatic fashion, lost to the Seattle Seahawks on the road. The Drew Locke-led Seahawks, might I add, on Monday Night Football, 20-17. to Drew Locke led a lengthy drive. With under two minutes, I believe, left to go in the game. Threw a game-winning touchdown to Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. We'll talk about that in a second and all the Eagles' problems currently. I feel like it starts in the secondary, but I'll let Treff, you know, sort that out. Then we're going to talk about the Steelers. It's just gone from bad to worse. I have a passionate rant here, and I'm sure Jack has his thoughts as well. And as always, we'll get to the picks. And... If our team's doing terribly wasn't bad enough, we went a combined two and seven as a group last week. It so same, It was almost the same the week before, too, I'm pretty sure. So we can't get anything right here. Um, but we'll get to that at the end of the show. Nonetheless, we'll start back with the Eagles. Uh, game is now two days removed, so maybe Shref had some time to kind of clear his mind, get his... Uh, thoughts together and please share because the all season i'm sorry to interrupt i know i just gave you the floor but all season we'd be saying it's not really eagles rants of the week it's kind of just eagles recap of the week because they're winning same with last season but now not the case we're going back to the roots the origin yeah. of the segments yeah and the rants ensue so go ahead it's a throwback episode um i'm not having fun I don't think any Eagles fans are having much fun right now. Um, I think, in general, a lot of things are coming to light about this team. Um, throughout the early parts of the season, I thought they kind of played down to their competition a lot, um, gave allowed teams to stay in it for most of the game. Then there was the phase where they were making these ridiculous comebacks uh, against good teams, um, so I, I, I will still give them credit for that. Now we're in the phase. Then, then we had the quick phase with the Niners, Cowboys, where it was we're getting demolished by teams that appear to maybe just be better than the Eagles. And now we've reached the the real breaking point, which is losing to a team that you simply should not have lost to. Um, so that's where we are now. Uh, I have four main categories, I suppose, or four main topics that I will be covering. Um, I'll go through as quickly as I can here, but there, there's. There's a lot on this uh, on this notes app at the moment. So, um, just like it does in like with football in general, it starts with the quarterback. So I'm going to start with the quarterback. Um, he's been playing stinky, <laughs> real stinky, real real stinky. Um, I want to preface it by saying I I truly do feel in my heart of hearts. I don't know if this is me being a homer or what. I truly do feel like at the root of this, there, this whatever this injury is that has kind of lingered throughout the year, I, I truly do think is something that maybe when the season is complete, we will hear more about. But he just, like, decision-making, which I'll get into aside, he doesn't look like himself at all, like physically out there. Um, when he's able to get 
downhill running, he looks similar, but he he's not moving side to side well at all. And he just looks like kind of clunky in general, I feel like. Um, so that's something that'll be interesting. I, I don't think we'll hear anything about it until after the season's complete, whenever that is for them. But um, I will preface it with that. With that being said, though, his pocket, his pocket awareness has been pretty bad the entire year. And I feel like the last couple weeks has gotten even more exposed because these, these teams are sending pass rushers because they have now seen tape the last few weeks of a guy who has not been able to handle it. Um, he tries to get outside as quickly as possible at times, even when the pocket does not require that. Um, and it's, it, it's even more frustrating because last year we would see it where like, I mean, I know the offensive line was like on another level last year, but there were still times where he was had guys in his face, had to get rid of the ball quick, and he was stepping into these throws and making them and, like, no fear with it. And it feels like he's – I've said it, I think, a million times in here, but it feels like he's been a deer in headlights. Could be partly injury-related. I don't know if that's the case. I, I think he's just making some bad decisions. Deep ball hasn't been as crisp as it was last season. Um, they're seeing a little more zone, so it's been a little bit harder to, you know, put the balls in places where they need to be. But at the same time, there were there's been passes throughout this entire year that I feel like it just the the connection doesn't feel like it's what it was last year, um, and then this will kind of lead me into my next point. But this is kind of a mix of him and the coaching staff, I think. But it feels like there's just kind of a complete unawareness, like from all levels, of when to get aggressive and when to kind of stay back a little bit and you know be able to play with a lead and run clock and things of that nature. So that kind of leads me into the. Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson conversation here. Um, this is where a, a good percentage of my anger is directed towards. I would say, um, Jalen Hurts has, has not per, he's not performed well this year. He has, uh, you know, regressed in some ways. I think the turnovers have been an issue. That was always going to kind of pop up with how good he was with it last year. Um, but with that being said, uh, this coaching staff in general, I don't think has really put any of the offensive talent into positions to succeed this season. Um, this has been a, a heavy topic among Eagles fans. And this is something that I kind of harped on right when it happened and will continue to do so. Uh, letting Shane Steichen go is going to haunt them for years and years, I think. Uh, and when I was talking about like the aggressiveness by this coaching staff and Jalen Hurts, um, Steichen, to me, had, had such a good understanding of the gas pedal when it comes to running an offense where – if you needed points quick, you know, two-minute drill, four-minute drill, things of that nature, he had he had the moves for that. He would he was able to diagnose what the defense was kind of going to be giving them in those situations, was able to dial up play calls that, uh, you know, countered that. At the same time, as we saw a bunch last year because of the scores, um, also just a master being able to chew clock, uh, you know, have those like 13, 14 play drives that'll take six, seven minutes off a quarter. Um, so he was kind of able to do it both. He was able to rub the gas when he needed to and take his foot off it when he needed to. This coaching staff, I feel like, has it like backwards half the time. Uh, the first drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half is was kind of getting back to what I felt like the identity of the team was last year. It was a run-first mentality. You were going to create some holes because you have guys like AJ and Devontae on the outside where they're going to command some attention. So you're hopefully going to have some running lanes. They had that, and then when they got into third down situations, I thought Jalen did a good job of you know finding guys. They were able to find some soft parts of the zone, and it was working. And then just they've done it all season. There will be drives where they come out and they and they throw the ball three times. And I love Jalen Hurts, but like 
the fun part of like the the best part of Jalen Hurts is that he gives you that threat of like this could be a run at any point, and it just feels like they decide to go away from it uh, a a lot of times, um, just a lot of times, and then at the same time, this is all getting combined with just like the worst times to get aggressive, man. Like the worst times. Uh, the first pick, which was a deep ball to Quez Watkins. Uh, you know, when when you have a chance to get Quez Watkins involved for the first time in like four weeks, you got to take it, you know, at all times. Um, just baffling. I think there was like, I don't know, four minutes, five minutes left on the clock, something, something around that, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, you're at like the 50 yard line. You were moving the ball really well with the run game and the quick, like the quick hitters. And, you know, part of it is Jalen Hurts deciding to throw that ball. Part of it is why is that even a route that is schemed up into it, <laughs> into a play at this time? Um, he throws it, it gets picked, gives him another shot. Uh, then they kind of went back and forth with, uh, I think, a couple punts, if I remember correctly. So Eagles pin him down at the nine or eight, whatever whatever it was. I don't know. And uh, that'll lead me into my next conversation, which is the defense again. Um, I don't know, man. The, the Matt Patricia defense looked a whole lot similar to the Sean Desai defense. I did. I, I can't say I saw much of a difference. I thought in the first half they did a decent job getting off the field in third down situations. Um, the second half, I thought that kind of went out the window a little bit. Uh, it's the same story. It's been every single week, and I think it's just more proof that this defense just is what it is, and I don't think there's anything changing it. The offense, I feel like, at least has like some room to grow with the talent they have. I just don't think this def- the defense has it. Uh, still not generating much pressure with the D line in general. Uh, I think Jalen Carter had a sack, but it was on like I think what was supposed to be like a longer developing screenplay that he just kind of blew up. So, you know, cool I guess. And Fletcher Cox is still playing at a pretty high level, so I appreciate him for that. I feel like he's actually been like maybe the most consistent player this entire season. Um, but yeah, they're like the, the edge rushers just aren't creating, like aren't really as much havoc as they did last year. It felt like Hassan Reddick was in the backfield, like on almost every play last season, he's, he's gone, he goes quiet for, for big chunks of games. Um, and then on top of that, you have linebackers who I thought actually, you know what? I, I will give him some credit. I thought the linebackers actually played okay for the most part last night, um, or the other night. I thought Nicholas Morrow played probably the best game I've seen him play, both in coverage and just making tackles in general. Uh, Shaq Leonard was out there for most of the game. Um, I'm trying to think. I didn't really like hear his name called much or see him out there much, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Probably a bad thing. Um, but the, the icing on the on the cake, Mitchell, you kind of prefaced it, the, the secondary. Um, it's a problem, man. It's, it's, not, it's not good. Uh, I was very excited about Sidney Brown coming into the season. Um, any any goodwill he had built up in my in my heart pretty much got thrown out the window um, for that second half. Uh, just missing tackle, like in the right spots in a lot of places, and just could not finish the play whatsoever. It happened like five times, and then on the game winner too, uh, kind of showed his hand too early. Um, bit. On the like on the underneath guy, Smith and Jigba is able to go right over the top on Bradbury. Um, Bradbury's not been good <laughs> at all. Um, just hasn't been good. Uh, Slay's hurt, so you're out there with Eli Ricks. You're out there with Josh Job. 
Uh, Sidney Brown, who's a safety, playing slot corner most of the time. Uh, it's just not talented is really what it comes down to. I was waiting. Like, thank God. Like, if that's Geno Smith in that game, I I don't know if the Eagles are winning that game going into that po- portion of the game. Drew Locke, like, missed some easy ones throughout the game. That, but credit to him, he showed up when it mattered most. He was per- he was pretty much perfect on that last drive uh, and took advantage of the Eagles' lack of playmakers in the secondary, I would say. Just could not stop DK on that deep one, and then Smith and Jigba just burns Bradbury. And simple as that. So that's all a problem. And then I am going to get mad at uh, Howie Roseman a little bit. Um, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but this is something that I kind of discussed uh far before this, even before the season started. Bradbury's on a three-year $38 million deal, I believe. And Darius Slay is on a three-year $42 million deal, I believe. Um, that gets them both to, like, I think, like, their age, like, 34 and, like, 32 seasons or something like that, maybe 35 for Slay. Um, it doesn't look pretty right now. Um, obviously, if they were playing better, things would be different, but I also think it's unfair to expect two over 30-year-old cornerbacks to, um, you know, keep up the same level of play that they did last season. Um, And, you know, with all that money that's being spent towards them, I think of two guys. The first one I think of is TJ Edwards, who is having a fantastic season for the Chicago Bears this year. Um, He signed a three-year $19 million deal. I know that Howie Roseman likes to build this team through the trenches and uh, yada, 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 but... At some point, I feel like you have to take like an honest look at your team and say like, what do we need right now? Especially for a team that was, you know, expects to be kind of in a playoff spot in a, you know, in contention every single year. You would think there'd be a little more attention to like, hey, what's going to make us good for this next year? Um, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson's another one. Uh, I know the contract disputes with him apparently were a bit odd. Um, in terms of, you know, the deal that they offered versus him maybe thinking he was going to get more somewhere else. But at the same time, if if you're the Eagles, I feel like that's another guy that you maybe should have tried to plant your flag in. He's 26. Uh, and the main thing for me, I know at times his coverage wasn't always great, but he had a nose for the football at all times. And that is, I, I didn't even look up the stats, but I'd have to imagine the Eagles are probably like bottom 10 in turnovers uh, on defense. They just have not been able to, you know, get that spark on defense. And I'd, I'd like to think he would have helped with that. Um, so, yeah, I know I'm saying that was that was a long one. Uh, there's been a lot of thoughts running through my head, but um, I don't know, man. I, this is <clears throat> for a team that, like, like I said, has this aspiration of becoming like a consistent power in the NFL. I feel like they need to be a little more honest with where their roster is at in some spots. And uh, I think the guy running the team, as I have said many, many times, uh, I just don't think he's the right guy. And it's making me really sad. Yeah, what I'll say is, number one, you mentioned the uh, identity of the team running the ball and whatnot. And I, I I paid particular attention to this this week because I'm going against DeAndre Swift. Well, the manager that has DeAndre Swift, I don't know if he's going to be starting him, but mm-hmm. I was looking. I'm like, hmm, why isn't he going to start Swift? And I look back at the game logs of like earlier in this year, he was running for like 175 yards, mm-hmm. 130 yards. Like he had multiple 100 plus yard games. And 
they were rolling. I remember the Thursday night game against the Vikings. Like it was, they, they dominated them. They could get seven yards at will. And if you look at it now, I mean, DeAndre Swift is scoring three fantasy points, seven, eight, maybe. Like it's not been good the past month and a half or so. So as I, when I looked into that further, it made sense why the the person I'm playing doesn't currently have Swift in the starting lineup. And it's, that's just, I feel like a, a microcosm of the Eagles as a whole. They need to, you know, things have gone downhill and the identity has been lost a little bit. Uh, next thing I was going to say is, I understand what you say about uh, Garner Johnson. I mean, he has he has been hurt pretty much the whole year, though, so I don't know. I mean, who knows? Oh, yeah. I, I, so, yeah, I don't have like a base to like say like oh he's been playing and like incredible this year, but I mean, I don't know. Like the whole right. like I, I what I what I also meant to say is like I'm I'm getting a little sick and tired of them like covering up holes with aging veterans. Like the Kevin Byer trade has been a complete dud so far. Uh, I would say. Um, like haven't really heard his name once. It, just, it and they kind of did like last year. It didn't didn't matter as much because they were just so dominant on both sides. But like, I don't know. Like it like the Shaq Leonard thing, the Kevin Byard thing. It just, like I want, I need them to start like investing into some of these positions that they keep ignoring and just thinking that they can cover it up with like thirty one, thirty two year olds who are all name no game. Yes, I, yes, that's exactly right. There, there's a whole heap of them on this team that are that are all name no game. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, there's a reason why Leonard was cut. It, you know, yeah, like uh, the, the Colts wouldn't just cut him for no reason. So, right. and then the other thing I wanted to add was you mentioned it with uh, who was it? Uh, Sidney Brown, I think you said. Yeah. How the tackling has been an issue, right? that he was who you were talking about that's the main thing i noticed i thought there was multiple occasions where the eagles i see like ken walker get get a carry or something like that like oh it's gonna be like a two-yard loss and all of a sudden he pops one out for 15 or something like that yeah it it, and it's not even like the like the big kenneth walker gives you the ability to like really rip off those big ones but even in like a lot of games it's just like but what should be a two-yard gain is like a five-yard gain it's the little stuff and all of a sudden it feels like they're in they're in third and short like they're they're doing to the Eagles what the Eagles have normally done to other teams, which is getting those like those little mini gains on first and second, and all of a sudden you're sitting there in like third and four. And for the Eagles, it's like even if they don't get it, you got pretty much a guaranteed first down on a tush push. So, like the the formula that normally works for the Eagles has been working against them in a lot of situations this year. Jack, do you have anything to add before we move on to the Steelers? Um, not much. I just my biggest takeaway from the game, and it's not really like a groundbreaking one. It's just that I've, I've and I don't want to hate on this player because uh, I like him and he's great. But Hurts threw that game away. You said it like that. The his first pick was like late. I think there was like six or seven is left in the fourth. Could have had a longer drive, milk some clock, get some points there. Gave that away because then at that point it was. Was it 17, 17 up, 10? They were, they were still up four. No, 17 13. And then the Steelers got the ball and they didn't do anything and punted back to the Eagles? And I want to say they did. Because I, I, I want to say they, I, I'm trying to remember, I want to say they might have, 
Yeah, they did, because I'm pretty sure that was when... Um, mm, yes, it was the drive where Jalen Carter got the sack, and it was that, and then another penalty happened where they were out of field. They were out of okay. field range, I'm pretty sure. They punted, and then... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it was 17-13, but either way... Yeah, just kept giving them chances, one, and eventually they took... That ball. Yeah, they took the chances, and yeah, the last one was just like... And then the... Why? Just a Hail Mary ball that didn't... Some people just know that the best rate for you... Left. Uh, I sure. think there were... Maybe 15 seconds? It was at least... It was over oh, 10 no, seconds I thought there was like 26 minutes, seconds. Get like 15. Like 30. I, it was a little less, I think, but, but either way... They needed like 15 yards, and you have Jake Elliott, who has proven many, many times that he can make those kicks mm-hmm. in those situations. So it's just a, a be, like yeah. just baffling decision making. And Sirianni today in his press press conference said that the throw to AJ on that one was the design uh, route, and he he mentioned that part of the thought of it was that they could get pass interference called. Yeah, I don't. That's that's tough, and like to just bank so that, on that. That's not a good answer. I, I, I mean, that, that is a horrible answer. I don't like. And that this is like the narrative that I love to push, I but I, I feel like it. Like, if that's the play call, Sirianni or Sirianni calling plays, whoever is just like the little bit of a a cocky or I don't know, too aggressive of a play call in that moment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They they, they have no awareness. Like, I I don't understand. Like, you have a guy like got like. All these guys are so good yards after the catch. Like, I don't mind trying to get the ball in their hands quick there, try to, like, let them get up. And even maybe just something intermediate. Just, like, that was like a 30-yard like yeah. throw. It was double cut. Uh, it was all just so bad. I had, It's two weeks in a row that I, like, went to bed being like, why did I even, why did I even bother? I am gonna, now I'm just tired and mad, and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, the last thing we'll say on this is – I. After the interception happened, I texted Jack. It it really reminded me of the Steelers and the Patriots the the week prior of how a similar situation, fourth and short, and we threw about a 25-30 yard pass to Deontay. So it's very frustrating for both our teams back to back weeks. That's a good transition because speaking of frustration, may I introduce you to Steelers football. We lost <laughs> 30, to, <laughs> 30 to 13. To the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll get to this at th- when we get to the picks. But Jack, if anyone recalls, picked the under forty-two and a half, and the Colts kicked a field goal, pretty meaningless field goal at the end of the game to go to forty-three. So that was just uh, another kick in the nuts, as there were many. We were up thirteen to nothing, so I was feeling optimistic. I didn't think we had it in the bag by any stretch. I'd be a fool to think that, but I was feeling optimistic. Uh, we got a block punt that resulted in a touchdown. And just from that point on, we lost, we got outscored 30 to nothing. So just completely went the opposite direction. Mitch Trubisky, he met our criteria that we outlined last episode for what would result in a benching for him, multiple turnovers and a loss. And I mentioned the eye test. He clearly didn't pass that. And he was just consistently missing throws all game. Two in particular that come to mind. I remember a little seam pass to uh, Fryermuth that was very much behind him. And then the interception to Pickens was probably the worst one that was way over his head. Pickens is six foot three and 
can jump up and get any ball pretty much, but that was just even too high for him. That's a really bad miss that resulted in a turnover. And he got benched at the end of the game for Mason Rudolph, who, I mean, is going to play, assuming Kenny can't make any last-second push to be active for the Saturday's game against the Bengals. I don't have any faith in him. If anyone's been listening to the show, they, they probably know that. I don't think that he's going to be adequate enough to get us this win. And I think Steeler fans that have been clamoring for him over the past weeks and months are in for a rude awakening of how bad he's going to be. And I mean, I've said it before, there's a reason why he got benched for Duck Hodges. In his, and that wasn't even like later on. That was his second season. And, and we took him in the third round. So if there was ever time to stick it out with a guy that, to see what you have, it would be then in a, in a situation where your starter for 15 plus years goes down for the year. You'd think you want to play your third round pick quarterback for the rest of the year, but he got benched for a UDFA. And there's a reason why he hasn't played since then. He played one game against the lions, but that was in a, an emergency situation. It was terrible. But, <laughs> and that was when the lions wasn't were that awful good. Yes, and exactly. we tied them and he made like, it was, were they, were they, win, um, were they winless at that point? I don't remember their winless. I think they may have had one win, but like, and then there was a touchdown opportunity. Like even the five yard line, Deontay was right in front of him. Just threw it at his feet. Like, Oh my God. Like it couldn't be worse. So people saying, oh, it can't get worse than Mitch. I think it can get worse than Mitch. So, I'm, I mean, again, with all that being said, unlike some toxic Steelers fans that I see on Twitter, I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm going to root my heart out for him. I want him to do well. I don't think he's going to do well, but I want him to do well. It makes me so mad that some people on Twitter, and I, I can't pinpoint anyone, but they're just waiting for our quarterbacks to fail. Like, why would you want that? I'm not going to be one of those people waiting for Mason Rudolph to fail. I, I have nothing against him personally. He stuck it out in a situation where he easily could have just demanded a release or demanded a trade. He's been professional. And I just don't think he's very good. But it's not going to stop me. Like, I'm not going to be happy when he fails or like, oh, I told you so. Like, why would I want that for my team that has a albeit very slim, but outside chance of making a run and making the playoffs. This is our last-ditch effort here. Defense. We let up 25 points per game over the last three games against Kyler Murray, Bailey Zappi, and Garter Minshew. And that's just simply not going to cut it. We've only, also in that span, we've only generated one turnover. And that's not going to cut it either, especially with a team that has a very limited offense. The offense has been bad. Very bad, but the defense cannot be absent of blame in this losing streak that we have. Considering the quarterbacks that we've gone up against, and not the team that should is our identity is the defense. And I know it's a it's a large, you know, chip on your shoulder or whatever you want to call it. But sometimes you got to step up, and they definitely did not do that. Now, the last thing I'll say which I'm sure you guys are going to know what I'm going to say. Because especially in Pittsburgh, I speak Twitter on the defense real space, quick. And I, yeah, go ahead. Sure. I guess we should stick to that before we get into uh, the, the main the course. Defense, 
I would cite these uh, past couple weeks. Like it's been, we've been so injured on the defensive side of the ball. Now at full strength, we really haven't been great either. Um, bottom of the league in yards allowed, like consistently throughout the whole season, in the air and on the ground. But I mean, it was like week eight or so. Cole Holcomb goes down. The following week, Quan Alexander goes down. Atlanta Roberts has had a few nagging injuries. Um, in the Patriots game, Highsmith is out the whole game with a uh, neck or concussion. TJ had was in concussion protocol, kind of. Minka can't really stay healthy; just injuries all over. And then, like, uh, yeah, I can go through even more. Like, we're down to like practice squad level players on the field, so that's the main reason I I think for these past couple games why it's just been so poor. And um yeah, continue with your rant here. And I guess last thing I'll say as well on the defense is we didn't you didn't even mention uh DeMonte Casey yeah. is suspended for the rest of the year for a, a hit to Michael Pittman Jr. Yes, it was an illegal hit. I can understand being ejected from the game. That's fair. A fine, so be it. But to suspend him for the rest of the season, I I, I think that's ridiculous. I I don't I just don't. Agree he was with suspended that. for the rest so. of the season because he's a repeat offender of these type of of hits, and he may have been. I don't think he's suspended before, but that went into the uh, three game suspension. I guess, yes, I guess context does matter, but at the end of the day, if you're looking at it that in a vacuum, I think that's just not, not even close to what it should, the, the punishment does not fit the crime. So, I would agree with that. all right, so I'm going to talk about George Pickens for a minute or two here. I am normally a patient person. I give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm loyal to them. I'm willing to see things through. But I don't think anyone has tested my patience more recently than George Pickens. I'm sure everyone's seen it, but there's a clip that kind of went semi-viral of Pickens showing pretty much absolutely no effort in run blocking. And if he did even show a little bit of effort, Jalen Warren probably would have scored. He got tackled at the one-yard line. Unfortunately, as Jack has kind of noticed all year, this is not an anomaly. When the play design isn't like directed towards him, Pickens will not run the route of full speed, being lackadaisical out there. It's just a recurring theme at this point. This is not a, a one-off incident, which would be bad in itself anyway, but it's not. And his excuse was he was afraid of getting injured. I mean, what the hell was that? Like, that's the biggest pile of you know what that i've ever heard in my life you're a football player i've seen george pickens deliver violent blocks that are good good football plays that like that just sounds like he thought of i i just don't even there's no words for that that doesn't make any sense like it is your job to play football and you're not playing football and 
showing passion, frustration on the sidelines. We've seen it with many receivers across the league. We've seen it with AJ Brown. We've seen it with Stefan Diggs. This is not a new thing for receivers. It goes back many, 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 many years. I can deal with that, but only if your play and your effort on the field backs it up. If you're busting your behind and you're going out there, giving 110%, being physical, and the other guys aren't holding up their end of the bargain on that, you're allowed to be frustrated and you're allowed to yell at them on the sideline. That's fine. That's more than fine because every you should be holding people accountable. But it, he's being a hypocrite. He whines and he complains when he's not getting the ball. Quarterback's making bad throws. And then you go around and do stuff like this. That makes no sense. Like, look in the mirror, George. Playing in the NFL is a privilege, not a right. And I feel like that is especially true with the Pittsburgh Steelers because we have a lot of history tied to us, a lot of tradition, and a lot of wins and a lot of success. So, I mean, the last thing I'll say to George Pickens, because I'm addressing him personally, obviously, if you're listening to this, there's a new crop of fresh, talented wide receivers coming up from college every year. I feel like as the years go on, these wide receivers just get more and more talented. And if you don't prove yourself every single day at practices and games, you're expendable. And I'm sorry if that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. So either you have to do a 180 on your mindset really quickly, really fast, or get off of my football team, and I'm done with you after this year. Because that just can't happen. That's not the Steelers. And that's just like, that's just, forget the Steelers. That's not how you build a team. Yeah. Like, I've never right. seen this before. This is easily, I'm not even, I don't think I'm exaggerating. This is, I think this is the most frustrating year I've ever had as a fan of the Steelers. And there's, I mean, going back, we have Antonio Brown's antics, Le'Veon Bell getting suspended. All kinds of stuff has happened to us. But this year, with the expectations I had, and these players, which aren't living up to their end of the bargain, are pissing me off. Yeah. I'm done. I was going to talk about Pickens. Like, one, it would be, it'd be so easy for him right now to be, like, a fan favorite for this team. Because, like, the one thing I, like, if he, if he was just, like, at least showing, like, showing the effort, like, just, like, at least, like, a better, like, just a better attitude in general. Like, because I'll give it, like, there are reasons for him to be upset. Like, the, uh, the season isn't going the way you want it to go. The quarterback situation has been all over the place due to injuries and things of that nature. But, like, the one thing you control is just, like, you know, trying. <laughs> I don't know. Like, just trying. And, like, I feel like fans would be able to at least, like, see that if you were putting in the effort and being like, hey, this is a young receiver that maybe we could, like, because he, he, you know, he wants to win. He wants to do everything he can, and it feels like he's not doing that. The flip side of it, too, is that, like, there's been so many backup quarterbacks in the league this year, and I feel like there's been a lot of good examples of, like, receivers and just play players in general, like, rallying around these guys. Like, I think about, like, I think about, like, a Garrett Wilson who's been dealt a very unfortunate hand this season, um, and there was that highlight of him, like, talking to Rodgers on the sideline. I feel like that got misconstrued big time in terms of, like, they were saying he was, like, blowing up and, like, freaking out. It seemed like he was... He was, it was animated, but it didn't seem like there was anything, like, crazy going on. And on top of it, when Zach Wilson has, like, played well, it hasn't happened much, but it has happened this year, he's been the first one in the media 
to like say he played a fantastic game like this was great like hyping his guy up and it i don't know man pickens just doesn't the the attitude in general just doesn't seem like it's in the right place a lot of times and, and that is a main reason there were some injury concerns as well but that was the main reason that he fell to the second round if the, if he was a model citizen and had the perfect attitude perfect team player he'd be a top 12 pick probably he's got all that he's just as talented as everyone in there i'd say maybe not like jamar chase was in that class but pretty much everyone else wait no that wasn't jamar chase sorry that was garrett yeah. wilson's garrett wilson in that class and yes. christian Olave. but still yeah. i think he's right up there Definitely. in terms of talent it's just these things are going to separate you so and i like what you said shreff it's not just in football but in life you can't control what other people are going to do and say but you can control yourself and the steps that you take. And he's just, he is so short sighted. Like he can't see the bigger picture at all. He's blind to it. So I'm interested to hear what Jack has to say. Uh, I like what both of you said. And I was going to start off by saying how, um, like I'm cool with the frustration, although like some may not be, um, when you're not getting the ball, I mean, to some extent it can go overboard, but, a receiver that's like in his position who we know has like all the talent in the world and um he's on a rookie deal and during this short window you need to prove yourself you need to prove yourself statistically to warrant a contract that is life-changing money um so i i i get frustration when you're not as involved in the offense as you should or could be, and the offense is going bad, and the season's also going bad on top of that. Um, that is all understandable. Uh, but as you guys said, like he's not helping his case in terms of money purposes. If that's his motivation at all by not putting forth any effort um, on blocks, as with, that's blown up this week. And as Mitchell said, I've noticed the whole year. I watched film diligently uh, every game, and it's uh, you you can tell when he's not the re- the route's not there, the play's not designed for him. He is just doesn't put forth the effort. And it's noticeable, and I mean, the defenses if they're smart, they can pick up on that. Like it just if they're in like a zone and they see and can sense Pickens isn't going full speed right away all right shift your attention off him and go focus elsewhere because that's where the ball is going to end up so um that's just bad film um and no team let alone the Steelers are is going to want to retain you or bring you in for a lot of money if if you're going to play that way um so yeah I'm, I'm glad it's kind of being brought more to light on a national presence. Uh, I also want to point out, and I mean, I'm, I have reason to blame the quarterback in Trubisky as I'm a part of the, as my biggest opponent is the people that say Kenny and Trubisky were is the same and want Trubisky to start over Kenny and bench Kenny. Um, but Trubisky's first interception Pickens, you, like that should be yours. <laughs> he got mossed by a defensive back, and it should be the other way around. Like it's that's your strong suit and contested catch. Like 
I mean, I guess you could still put blame on Trubisky because he threw the ball into it was just not great. But I mean, Trubisky could have thought, and I wouldn't blame him. Like, all right, this is George Pickens; he can get anything. Like, he can get this ball. Um, I don't know if that's just a lot more lack of effort there, but it was going to him and just messed up and caused a turnover. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not like he and I did say earlier. He has all the talent in the world, which he does. He does have a lot of talent, but like it's a lot of little things like that. And also in like the Titans game, Mitchell, on the Thursday night uh, Titans game, like he had so much room to get two feet in bounds on the one touchdown pass and couldn't. Um, so, I mean, that's, I wouldn't even say his uh, film has been perfect so far, but I mean, he makes just some insane like plays and grabs that like it kind of makes up, excuse me, makes up for it. And like teams will look to that as like, oh, we can work with that for sure, which you can. But uh, he's not a completely polished receiver, uh, so um, I wouldn't even know if you could say he's like earned that right to like complain in like the frustration department, let alone the lack of effort, like the not getting the ball. Like you got to clean up your play a little bit if you if you want if you want to demand the ball and be a true like top whatever five receiver in the league. So, um, yeah, and that, and that was that, that's the last thing I was going to say, and then we can we can move on to the picks. But, and I cannot believe I'm saying this. I cannot believe I'm saying this. Say what you want about Antonio Brown, and I'm not justifying any of his antics. He is as mentally ill of a person as I've ever seen in my entire life. But when he stepped on the football field. He took care of business yeah. and he did his job to the highest degree, pretty much that you yeah, could. You could never do. question, even after he spiraled the past couple of years, and like he said on interviews, and like that's the one. Yeah, that's well, the he one. He did walk thing. off the field. Besides that time, he walked. Off yeah, the field. right. I mean, that, I I I lumped that into more of like that was when he really spiraled and that wasn't really himself, but like I would say so. his whole time in Pittsburgh and like even though shortly after, it's like. Never questioned Antonio Brown's work ethic. Like he worked his way up from a a Mac school, Central Michigan, six round pick or yeah, six round pick, and became an All Pro, best receiver in the league. Uh, yeah, like it was, wasn't like uh, wasn't like this at all. Like like if he wasn't crazy, he's he still might be a top five receiver yeah. of all time. But if he wasn't, he'd be like solidified as yeah. the second best probably. So I mean yeah, I can't believe I, I was I'm de- I'm I'm not defending him because there's it's he's indefensible, but you know, you're missing the old him. Yeah. Um okay, anyway. Our picks, as I said at the top of the show, we did awfully awfully terrible. Jack went one and two. He picked the Chiefs to cover eight and a half. They beat the Patriots by 10. It was looking a little shaky at some points, but they ultimately took care of business. The Giants plus six. I don't blame you for that one. I did like it. It was one of my backups, but they kind of got, you know, beat pretty decisively by the Saints. And then I mentioned the bad beat with the Colts and Steelers game under 42 and a half. The game goes uh, over by half a point. Jack goes to one and two. Myself, I'm an idiot. I picked the Steelers. Not doing that the rest of the year. 
plus one and a half. Wasn't even close. Um, speaking of not close, though, I did get the Dolphins right in the minus eight and a half. They won by 30. And then I also picked the Texans Titans over 37 and a half. And that all, if they scored a touchdown in overtime, would that have done it? I'm trying to think. Yes, it would have, right? Because it was 16 16, and then it would have been 22 16. That would have hit by half. So it had some life, but ultimately came up a little bit short. I also go to one and two. And Shreff, I mean, picked the Falcons. They're awful. They and they lost to the Panthers, Panthers, who didn't score a touchdown. So John Robinson, I think, had six touches. Seven. He had negative fantasy points. I know that. Yeah, I started him in a league. Lost that one. Yeah. So there was that. Uh, Dallas plus one and a half. I remember, I don't know if this is an exact quote from Shreff from last episode, but he said, it feels like a trap, but I'm going to fall for it anyway. And he fell for it hard. They got yeah, manhandled yeah. by the Bills. I mean, and uh, it, it softened the blow that it was the Cowboys, but then the last one was just unfortunate. Yeah, Jets, Dolphins over 37 and a half. Dolphins took care of their business, and the Jets didn't contribute at all. Draft uh, gets swept 0-3. Yep. With that being said, Jack, floor is yours. Where would you like to go? Um... If I want a total here, no, I guess not. Uh, all right, my first one, I'm gonna go with the Cowboys plus one and a half against the Dolphins. Um, I think they'll win. Uh, the books and the public may be down on them because of their showing against the Bills. Um, It'd be a back-to-back road games. Yeah. At Buffalo, at Miami here. Uh, I think a, a, an excuse for uh, that loss and the fashion that it was, I, I, they were dealing with a lot of illness throughout their team the whole week leading and leading up to it. Um, I don't know how much of a factor they played into it. I mean, I don't think that they're healthy. They win that. They They got blown out ended up being by the Bills, but uh they could bounce back against the Dolphins. I mean the Dolphins have struggled against good teams. I still think the Cowboys are a good team, so uh and they're the Eagles are slipping away from that they they still lead the division, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's still if they right. win out, they win the division. But the one seed might be okay. out of reach now. No, it's probably not out of reach. I mean, there's still three games left, and they the record is only separated by what one game against the Niners. Yeah, the Niners would have to lose a game. The Niners would have to lose two, and the Eagles would have to win all of them. Win out. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I don't know. I think the the Cowboys will bounce back this week and win. Okay. My first pick, and before I share it, nah, I'll share it first. Eagles minus 11 and a half. Let me just, is, does anyone have FanDuel up? I don't want to make sure it's still 11 and a half. It it's 11 and a half still. Okay. So I went back and checked. Uh, the Eagles, when I've picked them this year, whether that's been spread or uh, having to do with their total, 
I'm four and zero. I picked them twice for the spread to cover and twice for the totals, and that both hit. So I'm four and zero. So I I feel like I I don't know why I feel like this, but I feel like I've had a good pulse on the Eagles so far of knowing when to take them and when not to. I got a little stat here since 2021, which is the time that Sirianni's been the coach. The Eagles are 13-4-2 against the spread as a home favorite. Um, and that is first in the league. So, obviously, if there was ever a get-right spot, I feel like it's got to be this. Giants team that, you know, if they won last week, maybe it'd be interesting because they'd be playing for a little bit more, but they feel like they're kind of out of it right now. And... They're at home on Christmas. It just feels like an Eagles get right game to me. So I'll be taking the Eagles minus 11 and a half. I know it's a lot of points, but they got to, they got to show something here. So. Shreff. I'm glad, I'm glad you took them because that feels like the numbers are on, are on my side. At least for being happy as a fan, I suppose. (laughs) Which is invaluable at this point. Let's go. Mm, yeah. Lions minus three at Minnesota. Um, Nick Mullins put up some decent stats against Cincy. Um, I know the Lions defense hasn't been really anything to like be thrilled about necessarily, but um, I do think that they, you know. They want to get this division wrapped up a little bit. Um, I feel like all these teams have kind of tried to like show some life underneath them, and I feel like they want to put that to rest a little bit. At the same time, they have started to use Jameer Gibbs more and more on offense, um, and I think he is going to continue to be kind of the difference maker on this offense. Um, it's a good two-headed rushing attack with him and Montgomery. I know Brian Flores likes to blitz a lot. I think they're... As good as they're on the run game, it's going to be able to maybe keep him in check a little bit in terms of being able to be as aggressive as he wants to be. So I think the offense is going to play well. And more than anything, I Jack, I feel like you've said this with the Lions before, um, especially with Nick Mullins at QB, I think the Lions are more than three points better than the Vikings. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't hate it. I don't know which way I lean. I think it's going to be a close game. What's the total in that one? I'm not going to actually, I'll just wait. We'll discuss it later just in case someone takes it. I don't want to spoil anyone's pick, but. All right. So Lions minus three. What else do you got? I did take Cowboys plus one. It was going to be, I was going to go back to back weeks of uh, having a win-win situation. But alas. Mm. Looks like he saved you from yourself. Probably dead. Probably dead. Fair. Mm. Yeah, screw it. We're going to get it over with. Give me the Rams minus four and a half at home. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I, um, I think I think this is, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think this might be the most public team this week. What? Which one do you say? Oh. The Rams. The Rams minus four. I don't know if that makes you feel good or bad. Hasn't the public been like doing pretty well this year? I think I think they have over the most part, but I think last week they didn't do well. Well, then hopefully it swings back in the other direction. But either way, 
Um, this is mostly coming from a place of I can't stand Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> on top of that, I think the Rams are like really, really starting to find their identity a little bit. Uh, an interesting team for the playoffs, I would say, depending on who they get in the first round. But Stafford's playing at a high level. Um, Puka's not just like Cooper Cup's like clone. Like he's his own guy, and he's like really, really like very, very good. Um, so that's good for them. Kyron Williams is like truly like a a workhorse back, uh, and it's working. And I don't know, as, as it, it seems like they're getting hot at the right time. And while the Saints have kind of been able to, you know, squeak out wins, they got to play DeVito last week, and I feel like they kind of, like, brought him back down to earth a little bit, which I'll give them credit for because he was playing well. But I also, I wouldn't say that their win last week, like, impressed me uh, in the grand scheme of things. So, I don't know. The way this NFC South is working out, I think these teams are all just going to, like, have the same result every week um, kind of coming in here, and it's just going to be a whole interesting mess at the end of the year here. So, I think the Saints drop one here, and I think the Rams win by a touchdown. I think the offense is going to look good. Yeah, Kyron Williams, man, he is the uh, he's the RB six in fantasy. I just looked this up before we started recording, and he missed four games. Yeah. So he's a uh, he's the RB two in points per game, and uh, I sold him for a bag of peanuts in Dynasty this off season or last year. I don't remember, so that doesn't feel good. But I don't hate that pick. I'll be going here with my total because I'm that confident you guys are not going to pick my, my, my other spread. Uh, I'm going with the Dallas Miami under 51 and a half. 50 and a half. And, now. Oh, 50 and a half. I'll still take it. Mm-hmm. Dallas, we all know about Dallas's home and away splits. I did the math here. When they're home, they average 39.9 points per game. And when they're away, they average 21.7 points per game. So they've been a different team on the road. Um, so perhaps they could get off to a slow start and not play their best football offensively. I also saw today that all of Miami's starting offensive linemen were either limited or did not practice today. So they're going to be thin. I think that'll allow for Parsons to be active and successful. And uh feels like too many points. So I'll take the under 50 and a half. Jack. Uh, my next pick scares me a little bit. Like I, I, it feels like a trap. But um, I guess I'll just do it anyway. Maybe we're drinking the Kool Aid of what happened on Monday night. But I'm gonna take the Seahawks minus two and a half against the tit- uh, Titans. Um, I, I, I was big on the Seahawks before the season started, and I think I just still like believe in them. Um, Gino coming back this week helps, and like even they obviously beat the Eagles on Monday night with Drew Lock, and the week before that, it was a sudden Drew Lock start at the last second, and they're kind of prepared, and I feel like they kind of hung in there a little bit better than I thought against the Niners on the road. The week before that was that crazy Thursday night game against the Cowboys. They hung in the hung with the Cowboys at the very end, so like I I feel like they're still a good team. And the Titans just like aren't. <laughs> um, Ryan Tannehill as well. I don't. I don't know if that helps or hurts you, but no Will Levis. Yeah, I think that Tannehill. hurts them. It helps me. Hurts them. The Titans. Um, although, like, I mean, there's not really like much. Uh, 
I don't feel like this is not like an argument, but it, it, to play devil's advocate, I could see this being like a last hurrah for Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Mike Vrabel at home these last couple weeks. That's kind of true. Um, I don't know, because Vrabel's a great coach. He can kind of scrap anything together, but I I think the Seahawks should win, so I'll take them minus two and a half. Okay. Um. My total. Your total. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, a great game. The Cardinals at Bears over. It's 43 and a half, which isn't. And it's like slightly above average. What's the average total? Like 41 and a half? I feel like over the past couple of years, it's it's gone down. I feel like like this year has just been. You think it's in the. Yeah. I'd okay. say four, even four. So a field goal above the average. Um, these are, I, I feel like the Bears offense is clicking a little bit the past couple weeks. I guess they only put up like 17 against the Browns, but Browns have a good defense. Before that, they put up 28 in the Lions. So maybe they found something. Cardinals defense isn't great, so that helps. And since Kyler's gotten back with the... Uh, for the Cardinals, I think I had effort. Like they, they, they've been able to put up points. Like twenty-four on the Steelers two weeks ago. Um, I just had it. One second. Okay, twenty-nine on the Niners last week. Although I mean, it was got out of hand. Like it was like a, I don't know. It was still twenty-nine points. Um, I guess that was only last. When did Kyler come back? I don't know, but yeah. I think it could be. Let's do the math. Twenty-four twenty. It's all we need. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the Bears have been playing really well. Their last five games are three and two, and their offense. Sorry, their losses have only been. They lost to the Lions by five, and they lost to the Browns this past week by three. So they've been they've been playing pretty well recently, and then they got the Cardinals, Falcons, Packers to close out the year. So I mean. Chance to build us some momentum going into next year, and it's going to be one of the more fascinating off seasons that we've seen in a while with their pick and the Panthers pick. So it's going to be a wild ride there. Oh. My last pick, you guys are probably going to make fun of me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it feels it feels so wrong that it, maybe it's just right. Oh, I might know it. We have the Chargers. Plus 12 and a half. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking, Shrev? No, it's not. <laughs> I could tell based your face uh, based on what do I know though? That, so I mean, so. the reasoning. All right. Um, it's pretty much solely on the interim head coach theory. Uh, in interim head coach's first game since 2010, they're 18 and 11 against the spread and 16, 13 straight up. And these teams couldn't be any further apart in momentum, but that's a lot of points. And these are NFL players. So they are. It's true. They're going to give it their all. And I don't know, but Keenan Allen might be back. That's another thing. He wasn't there on Thursday night when they got destroyed. So if he's back, maybe he helps out uh, Easton stick a little bit. So, I mean, I didn't like anything else. So I'm just going with this. And we'll see. Maybe make make it a little close, LA. No one's giving you any chance in the world. 
and I'm giving you a little bit of a chance. So prove me right. That's why I was confident that no one was going to take that. I mean, who's going to bet on the Chargers? Since this delay is the last pick, so I I was going to say that I thought you were going to take the Broncos and have to root for the Broncos because you said like that we were going to laugh at you because we all don't like the Broncos. No, I actually, I mean, I guess I could say it now because we've all picked our spreads. I was actually thinking about the Patriots. They were one I was considering. I don't disagree, I don't disagree with that, but I, but but the way you phrased it, I was like, oh, is he gonna is he gonna root for Sean Payton? Wouldn't be caught dead. I know. I figured. I, I should. I should have known better. Um, all right. Total. Uh, just going straight vibes. I'm taking the over forty one and a half in Chiefs Raiders. Um, I think. I. I feel like just based off of memory, that could be wrong. Um, I feel like the Chiefs always like get weird with the Raiders in terms of like pulling stuff out of the bag a little bit. Uh, I feel like the Ra- was it last year with the Raiders game when they did like the ring around the rosy play. I, I feel like it was. Yeah, um, I feel like they just try stuff on the Raiders. Um, but either way, uh, I believe Pacheco is expected to be back this week. I think that gives their offense uh, as good as Hilaire and McKinnon have actually kind of been. Pacheco kind of gives that running game a different a different speed that I like. Um, and at the same time, I don't know, man. Uh, the Raiders are kind of getting into that uh, Rich Basaccia position again, where it's like, do we just keep Pierce, or what are we going to do with them? Because he like he clearly has them playing. Like they like a very inspired football team. Um, I know that the offense isn't wasn't always the most high powered, but I don't know. Divisional game, I feel like it's gonna get weird. Uh, and the total isn't like too high to the point where I'm scared to, that I'm that I'm scared about it not going over. So we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna root for points. All right. I think these teams played earlier this year, and I think the total got to not the total, but the. The actual final score got to 48. So perfect. All right. To recap our picks, Jack picked the Cowboys plus one and a half against the Dolphins, the uh, Seahawks minus two and a half against the Titans, and the Cardinals Bears over 43 and a half. I picked the Eagles minus 11 and a half, the Chargers plus 12 and a half, and the Cowboys Dolphins under 50 and a half. And Treff picked the Lions minus three, the Rams minus four. And the Raiders Chiefs over 41 and a half, you said? Right? Yes, 41 and a half. 41 and a half. I was thinking about this when, you, when we were talking about the Rams potentially getting to the playoffs, but how fun would that be if the Rams were the seven seed and the Lions were the two seed and Stafford yes, has I to go saw, back I to Detroit? Put it out there. That'd be awesome. Man, and honestly, that, I don't great. know who I would choose in that game. I think that would be a very interesting matchup. Yeah, I'd have to see what the spread. What What do you think the spread of that game would be? Lions at home. I'd say it's Lions. I feel like it'd be low. I'd say maybe Lions like three and a half, four and a half. I think it'd come in pretty low, surprisingly. Even though it'd be a five. Two five was five was the number that came to my head. I don't know why, but maybe. I think it'd be lower than like a two versus seven matchup you'd expect. Right. Hmm. All right. Anything else to add before we sign off? Uh, hopefully our spirits are higher next show. Yeah, I don't know. Steelers have the Bengals. I think we're two-point underdogs in Pittsburgh. Last, last home game of the year. Eagles also at home. I'm, I'm saying it now. One of these two Giants games, it's going to be a DeVito masterclass, and I'm going to be an upset man. <laughs> 
Well, all all we know is just bet Boston Scott anytime touchdown. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's inevitable, some would say. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, have a wonderful Christmas if you celebrate. And we will catch you next week uh, for another episode. Fantasy semifinals this week. I'm playing Trevor two leagues. Mm. Yep. Mm.